Father, every accomplishment on this earth, it's just because of your grace. There's nothing that we can achieve without you, without your help, without your strength. So we first and foremost want to give glory and praise and honor to your name. Because without you, we can do nothing. We give you praise for those, Lord, that you've brought to this point where their schooling, the school career is now behind them. And now they are embarking on a new journey. We place them before you. We know this is not the end of the road. This is just the beginning of a new phase. And Lord, as you've been with them over 12 years of schooling, we pray that you will be with them for the rest of their lives. I pray, Father God, that you will keep them in the hollow of your hand. Lord, that let them not forsake you now. Let them not turn away from you now. But let them come closer to you and cling to you more than ever before. Some of them will be going away from home for the first time. And we pray, Lord, that you'll protect them and keep them faithful and true to yourself and to what they have been, what they believe. Lord, please engrave your principles, your desires, your purpose for their lives into their hearts and into their minds so that whenever temptation come their way that they will they will be they will stand firm lord in their beliefs and their convictions i pray for them lord because we know they are so vulnerable as they step into an unknown future but thank you lord that you hold the future in your hands. I pray for the current uh, matriculants, Lord, as they come to the close of their school career, right here at the beginning of 2023, this might seem like a, a huge mountain that they have to climb to get to the end. But Lord, you have helped them thus far. We pray that you will help them every single day as they trust in you. Father, we know whenever we put our trust in you, you promise to pull us through, to be there through the thick and the thin, through the ups and the downs. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And we give you praise for that, Lord. Please help them, Lord, to lean heavily on you, Lord, and to take the strength from your wealth and from the, the, the depths of your resources that you have in store for them for the year that lies ahead. We also want to pray for those that are sick, those who are facing severe health challenges during this time. Lord, that your hand will be upon them, that your presence will be their comfort and that they will rely on you to comfort them and to give them that assurance that you are with them. You have not forsaken them. Your word says, even though your mother and your father forsake you, 
I will never, never, never leave you. Neither will I forsake you. And thank you, Father, that we can entrust him into your care. We especially want to pray for Ishka. We've been on this journey with her for such a long time. And we pray, Lord, that your hand will be upon her. And for all the others, Lord, whatever they are going through, we've seen the list, but we entrust them into your care. And Lord, as we come to your word now, oh Lord, won't you meet with us as never before, right here at the outset of this new year. Oh God, show us who you are again and show us our own hearts and where we stand with you and help us to respond in a way, Lord, that you can meet us right where we are and take us to where you want us to be. We ask this humbly, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's turn to the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 2, and this is our theme. It's, uh, we wanted to have our theme screen. We wanted to have it here, but it's not on yet, but it will, we will have it on. Uh, promise you, uh, you will see it because we want you to visualize it. Uh, the theme for the year, we know that the theme for our, for our new year is rise up, build up, and move forward. That's the theme for our year, and we pray that this year we will rise up and we will make ourselves available. We, we will begin to build up where we need to build up, and then, of course, we will move forward as well. But let's turn, first of all, to the, to, to the book, because that's our theme. It's that verse in, in Nehemiah, and we're going to focus on that here this morning. When brokenness goes unnoticed, that's, that's, a, that's the title of the message. But before we get into it, let's just read together in Nehemiah chapter 2, from verses 17 to 18. We're going to do the whole chapter 2, but we're just reading those few verses here this morning. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told you, told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. So far may God bless the reading of his precious word. Everybody's quiet now. You're wondering what's going to happen, eh? I'm excited about our theme for this year. I want to repeat it again. Rise up, build up, move forward. But the title here says, when nothing goes, well, or rather when brokenness goes unnoticed. And uh, you know, it was for 90 plus years, almost 100 years, that the walls in Jerusalem were lying in ruins. It was, it, all people saw around them were, were the ruins. They saw the rubble. They saw the broken down wall, and they did nothing about it. They saw it. They noticed it, and yet they also did not notice it at all. 
They saw it and they didn't do anything about it. And you know, when I think of this, this is what life has become like these days. We get, we become so almost what we, uh, I can only think of one word, it desensitizes. Is that the right word? We, we see, but we don't care. And, uh, and that is the sad thing when we think of this book of Nehemiah and what happened there. But it didn't stop there. And that's why when I think of this theme here for us for this year, uh, this theme is inspired by Acts chapter 26 verse 16 which says, Rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. No matter what your 2022 was like, we all have been called by the Lord to rise up. Are you going to rise up this year, my brother, my sister? We have a very diverse group here, diverse personalities, diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences, diverse opinions, diverse beliefs, and the list goes on. Amidst the many challenges before us, we cannot continue, continue to stay on the sidelines any longer. You've got to rise up. You've got to rise up, brother. You've got to rise up, sister. You've got to do something significant for the Lord. Not for yourself, but for the Lord. Not for your family, for the Lord. Did you hear that? It's time we start producing fruit in the rubble. Destiny in the darkness. And we need to forge ahead through the confusion. Nehemiah was a Jew who had been born in captivity in Babylon. We all know that. He had never seen Jerusalem and had never known freedom. He was in captivity despite the fact that he was, he was in a very privileged position as a cupbearer. Very privileged. He enjoyed the best of both worlds. The royal world and the world beyond the royal world. <clears throat> ah. But uh, he'd been in captivity in ba Babylon. He had never seen Jerusalem and, and, uh, and besides that, uh, he, he was not even aware what was happening uh, there until he heard about it. He was the cupbearer to the king and got word that Jerusalem was struggling and its walls were lying in ruins. He wept, prayed over his city to which he had never been. He'd never been there and felt called to help rebuild it. He saw, saw it, and yet he'd never been there. How do you like that? That is why the title is When Brokenness Goes Unnoticed. But the thing that stands out about Nehemiah, and this is, we're going to focus on him here, this is basically an overview of, the, of what happens, happened during the time of the rebuilding of the walls. Nehemiah, firstly, when we look at him, we discover that he was trustworthy. 
And we've got to go back to chapter 1, verses 11, which, which speaks about the fact that he was the king's cupbearer. As cupbearer, he was one of the closest people to the king, and his job was to sample or test food and drink before the king partook to ensure it was not poisoned. How do you like that? What a responsibility, eh? Anything that happened, uh, before anything happened to the king would have happened to, to Nehemiah, and he was committed to the task. Cupbearers had to be cultured and knowledgeable. Nehemiah's job is exceptional because it places him in the king's presence daily. I want to say this to you when you're a child of the Lord. Oh, you have something exceptional available to you because daily you are in the presence of the king. And I want to ask you this morning, as you are in the presence of the king daily, what are you doing about it? How are you responding to him? They say some things are taught, other, other things are what? Caught. Isn't it true? That's what they say. That's what the statement there. If I think of Nehemiah, Nehemiah learned much just by being in the presence of the king. That's where we learn. Just by being in the presence of the king of kings and lord of lords, we learn so much more than being in anybody else's presence. Isn't it true? King's presence. Oh, I'd love to be in the king's presence all the time. But I realize that I have challenges that I've got to deal with here on planet Earth. I realize that I've got to face trials and all of that. But my goodness, I, I long to just sit at his feet daily and enjoy what he has to offer all the time. The king could trust him with his life. The king could trust Nehemiah with his life. Are you a person that can be trusted by others this morning? Talking about trust here, Nehemiah was trustworthy. Are you a person that can be trusted by others? Can the Lord trust you this morning? Can he trust you? Why or why not? Trust is a precious and valuable thing. It is hard to acquire and easy to break. Who among us are considered untrustworthy here today? You hear that word? Untrustworthy, unreliable, irresponsible. Who among us are considered untrustworthy? Are you considered that this morning? Oh, then we've got to do something about it. There's still an opportunity to correct it. What has God seen in you? That's the question here today. Are you showing yourself to be a trustworthy follower of the Lord? 
John 8, 31 to 32 speaks about that. Are you faithful in your actions? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. We all know that verse so well. I'm not going to quote those verses here this morning. It speaks about being steadfast and unmoved, immovable. The King James Version says. (coughs) Revelations 2, verse 10b speaks about being faithful to the point of death. I'm asking you this morning, are you faithful in your actions? If not, why not? We have the opportunity to serve someone more magnificent than the king of Persia, than any earthly king. We have the privilege, the priceless privilege of serving the king of kings and lord of lords. Are you serving him today? Are you following him today? Are you a trustworthy person? Nehemiah was trustworthy. But secondly, as we look at this whole aspect of Nehemiah and his character, Nehemiah turned vision into action. And that's what I love about Nehemiah. He was far away from Jerusalem in Persia, but he turned vision into action. You can see or read all those verses there. Verses, verses 1, to 3, verses 9, verses 12, verses 13 to 15. The man, the man turned vision into action. I want to ask you this morning, what statement are your actions making today? I'm convinced about this, that your calling begins where your pain and your passion meet. In other words, it interconnects. Do <laughs> uh, you understand that? Are you, do you understand what, what, uh, what that statement means? Right? Your calling begins. I believe when we serve the Lord, I'm not talking about me as a pastor who have a calling from the most What a privilege and an honor it is. Because God could have called anybody else but me. But he called me to, to full-time service. But the, each one of us have a calling on our lives. A calling to do our very best for the Lord. So whatever you do, you've got to see it as a calling. Not just a job. Not just something that you do. For the Lord, it's a calling. The teachers see themselves as uh, uh, see teaching as a calling. Doctors see, you know, the you know, uh, see being a doctor as uh, as a calling. I want to say this to you: as a child of God, you have a calling on your life to make a difference wherever you go. And when I think of Nehemiah who turned vision into action. He put faith to his face. He went where he needed to go. He put faith to his face. He embraced and owned the vision. Something should bother you. Did you hear that? It bothered Nehemiah when when he heard about Jerusalem. Ruined and broken. Something should bother you. What is it that is bothering you here this morning? 
Take ownership of the vision that God has given you and commit to it. You see, brothers and sisters, commitment is more than agreement. Commitment is sacrifice. Commitment is action. Commitment is hard work. Commitment does not watch from the sideline. Commitment does not wait for the work to be done by others when I am available and I know what should be done and I still sit back and I don't do it. You have a responsibility to do it. Don't wait for others to do it. When God has called you and convicted you about something. Isn't it true? Although Nehemiah was a cupbearer living in Persia, his heart was in Jerusalem. God used an obedient layman named Nehemiah. He was not a pastor. He was not a prophet. He was not a priest. Nehemiah, a layman named Nehemiah to bring restoration to Jerusalem. God continues to use everyday people like you and I to fulfill his purpose on earth. Who would have believed that the cupbearer to the king would go on to lead the charge of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem? Perhaps the Lord is leading you to get involved in the ministry here this morning. Maybe you are being drawn to share the good news with the neighbors on your street. No matter how big or small your mission may seem, it matters in the plan of God for you. What has the Lord been stirring, stirring in your heart lately? Have you been afraid to pursue the nudge? He's calling all of us this morning to be on gospel mission for him. Did you hear that? Gospel mission. Good news mission for him. Sharing about the goodness of the Lord. Embrace the destiny he has for you, my brothers and sisters. Nehemiah turned vision into action. He's calling all of us this morning to step out and to do something significant for him. Verse 9, and you know the significance of this action thing, it's verse 9 says, so I went. You see, just that phrase, an amazing phrase that, so I went. I think King James Version says, then I went. So I went, or then I went. Same thing. He actually went. Did you hear that? He didn't sit back. He went. He traveled 1,300 kilometers from Persia to Jerusalem to do the work of building up the walls and the people. How do you like that? 1,300 kilometers he traveled. See, brothers and sisters, that's a sad thing today about all of us. 
and including myself as well, we often substitute talking about something for actually doing it. It is one thing to stand around with other believers and talk about doing ministry for the Lord, doing evangelism for the Lord, in other words, it, or any other ministry. It is another thing to actually go out and do it. Isn't it true? God is in the doing of the thing, not the talking only of the thing. Our spiritual enemies do not mind as long as all we do is plan to do it, pray about it, and talk about it. But my goodness, when we do something about it, they take notice. The enemy will take notice. And then the enemy will try to strategize against you and I. But then it goes further here, and I think of this over verse 12, when we talk about action, turning action, or vision into action. I told no one. Did you hear that? We just spoke about action, but now uh, Nehemiah says, I told no one. <laughs> it is dangerous to wear your heart on your sleeve. <laughs> Did you hear that? It is dangerous to wear your heart on your sleeve. Some people just wear their heart on their sleeves. On their sleeves. But it is dangerous to wear your heart on your sleeve without having done your homework. Without having done what you should have done. Without having waited on the Lord before you even said something. I told no one. He said, each one of us should have a secret place somewhere which nobody knows anything about but you and God. When you meet with the Lord, you consult with the Lord, you ask the Lord, Lord, where to from here? How do I deal with this matter? Isn't it true? <laughs> if you want to serve God, go and do it. And then let it be so effective and contagious that others want to be part of it. Did you hear that? Then there is no need for you retelling what you have done. Isn't it true? No need for you retelling what you have done. God withdraws himself when we boast of what we have done and not what he has done. But more than that, when I talk, think of this whole thing here, God even withdraws himself when I speak out and say something and I do not have all the facts. And even if I do have the facts, if my timing is incorrect, God withdraws from me. It's not going to support me. And we need to be so careful when it comes to, comes to just blurting out things. That's why when you, if you are wearing your heart on your sleep this morning and you just come out immediately, God, your words, think before you ink, as they say, think before you speak. 
Nehemiah was not just sightseeing. Instead, he carefully studied. Do you see what he did? He didn't, he didn't say anything. He was not sightseeing. He carefully studied the broken down walls and the burned gates. And that word they're examining, or in some versions it speaks about inspecting. But the word examining is a medical term that could be used to describe probing a wound to see the extent of its damage. For the first time, Nehemiah saw with his eyes what had been reported to him and what God has called him to repair. There was much to be thankful for in Jerusalem, but sometimes one must look at what is wrong only if we have the heart, though. Listen to this. Only if we have the heart. The prayer, the vision, the passion to be used of God to set things right should we pursue a matter. It's got to be that. I've got to have prayed about it. I've got to be passionate about this. And once I've prayed about it, it's easy because once I've prayed about it, with so much prayer behind it, when I speak, everybody listens. You know, I have to now refer to this, but I don't always like to refer. In our home, when I grew up, my dad was a man of prayer. Not that my mom was not. But you know what? Before my dad would ever speak to any one of us, he would have, we knew that he was going to pray about a matter. He would not just deal with something just like that. Even if he could, he won't. He will go and wait on the Lord, seek the Lord's face. But my goodness, hey, I'm using this word a lot today. Eh? When my dad spoke to us as a family, there was silence. Nobody said a word. Because you know what? It was saturated with so much prayer that when he spoke, he spoke with so much authority that we just sat and said, Hey, Dad, how do you know? Where did you hear that? But we know where he heard it from. But that's the thing that we were, I'm talking about here. When you speak, when you do something, consult with the king of kings first. When you, before you say something in anger, before you react the way you shouldn't, go to the Lord. He will guide you. He will give you the right words. And when you speak about it, it will be with so much authority. And so much power because, you see, the Lord is not withdrawing himself from us or from you. He's with you in the matter. I'm to ask you this morning, if someone took a tour of your life the same way Nehemiah took a tour of Jerusalem, what broken down portions of your life would they notice? What broken down portions are there? 
if someone had to take a tour of your life this morning? Won't you surrender to him this morning? Those broken down portions of your life, surrender to him. The brokenness, surrender it to him. The wrong motive and attitude, surrender it to him. The wrong perspectives. So many times we are so wrong in our perspectives. And we think we are right. Surrender it to him. Your entire life. Surrender to him this morning. Consult with him. Seek him the way Nehemiah sought the face of the Lord. And you know what? That's what happened, eh? Just what I mentioned earlier, Nehemiah had favor. <laughs> because he consulted with the Lord. Thirdly, Nehemiah had favor, verses 4 to 8. Then the king said to me, what do you request? How do you like that? Eh? I wonder if the king of kings asked you today, what would you, you know, what do you request? What would your request be? Eh? Would it be a selfish request? Or would it really be a deep need where the Lord needs to go to the depth of it and get it right in your life and in the lives of others? What do you request? King Artaxerxes picked up on Nehemiah's sadness and inquired about his well-being. He picked up, he saw that Nehemiah, something is, uh, something is not right. Nehemiah seemed so burdened and so sad. He picked up, uh, I want to ask, and you probably have it in your notes, what do others see in your body language and attitude? That reveals the real you. What do others see in your body language and attitude that reveals the real you? Nehemiah understood it was not his place here after the king made that statement. What do you request? <laughs> Nehemiah understood it was not in his place to change the king's heart. He prayed and left it up to the Lord instead of dropping hints and trying to manipulate the situation, Nehemiah did the godly thing. Are we making the mistake of trying to change someone else's heart instead of leaving it up to the Lord to do it? You would do a better job in any case. What are we doing? You, you see, we see also that Nehemiah is, we also see that Nehemiah exercised great wisdom here. He tells of his concern without specifically mentioning the name of the city. Why do you think? The king naturally had a, a bad association with the name Jerusalem. The king of Persia, he had a bad association with the name Jerusalem. Nehemiah, though, so, with great wisdom, spoke to the king without even mentioning the, the name of the city. Nehemiah found favor with the king and it pleased the king to send him back to his ancestors, back to his home. The king also equipped him with resources. It is far more significant to venture into a mission with the favor of the Lord on our side than any other favor. Isn't it true? 
Sometimes we force our way to success. Maybe we rush it and push our way through a door of opportunity before it's time. And it causes us great stress. We should follow the Holy Spirit's leading into the open doors he gives us to walk through. When you are called into action by the Lord, it is important to commit yourself to prayer and then seek out the Lord's favor for the mission. Do not rush it or bulldoze your way into it. Trust the Lord's timing and the Lord's way. You see, our plans motivated by selfish ambition will always be second best to what God's plans are. And I love the verse in, in Psalm 20, verse 7 to 8. Those two verses. It says, there's some trust in chariots. And some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It says further, they are brought to their knees and fall. But we who trust in the name of the Lord, but we, yes, who trust in the name of the Lord, rise up and stand firm. We rise up and stand firm. What are you trusting in this morning? Whatever it is, if it's not the Lord then I want to say this, it won't work out. It will last for a while, but it just will not work out forever. I can go on and on here this morning. I can talk about so many other things here this morning. But uh, I want to mention just a two more points and then we're going to be through. And the fourth point I want to make is Nehemiah encountered opposition. After all of this, having been in the presence of the Lord and doing what the Lord wanted him to do, there was opposition. And we read in verse 10, you know, the Tobias and all the other ayas, all of them are there. Whenever we get ready to take on any work for God, we can expect opposition. He will be opposed. As believers, we must accept that we will meet opposition when living out the plans of God in our lives. If you're doing the right thing and you are being opposed and you cannot understand why am I being opposed if I'm doing the right thing, the enemy will oppose you. We have to learn to silence the naysayers' voices and discouragement and listen only to the voice of the Lord. In these times, I ask you, have you allowed the opinions of others to keep you from acting on something the Lord has called you to do? Do not allow the enemy to rob you of the very best of the Lord. Make sure, though, that, it, that the Lord is in it. If he is in it, then you stay in it, no matter what. His voice is the only one we need to hear. And then the last point I want to make is Nehemiah was a team player. And that's where we, what we see in verses 1 to 3, in chapter 3. He was a team player. 
Throughout chapter 3, you see many people working together. And the phrase next to is utilized many, many times. The work of building is not one man's job, but the job of a team. Brothers and sisters, we, we are a family. We work together. It's not this work at UBC is not my work or anybody else's work. It's our work. Above all, to honor God, because it's God's work. But we work together as a team. In this story, 38 individuals and 42 groups are mentioned in the building efforts. Teamwork has its challenges. Sometimes it means setting aside our own personal opinions or ways of doing things. And that's tough. Isn't it true? Because we always want it our way. But in teamwork, we work together. And we add to the blessing. We add to the growth. We make ourselves available. There will be things that we disagree with, but... We still work together. Isn't it true? It is especially difficult for those who are so-called control freaks. There are some people that they consider themselves so-called. That's why I'm saying so-called control freaks. So-called. Hey, the Lord is in, in his work. The Lord is in control all the time. <laughs> However, when we allow the gifts that everyone individually brings to the table to come together, it positively impacts. Lives, it positively will impact the outcome. Isn't it true? Where you are called to build is important. And I'm asking you, and we're going to close with these three things. Where are you called to build? Build your life this year. Rise up and build your life. You cannot build your life on your own. We never fully arrive at a final destination on our on our spiritual journey, the side of heaven, there is always room to grow, more, more to learn, and more ways to become like Jesus. Seek to build your relationship with the Lord. Start there. And then build your home. The atmosphere we set in our home matters. How we invest in the relationships we have with our family and Anyone who enters our home is so vital and is so important. Families, build your homes. Yes, see to it that your life is being built up by Christ. Build your home with Christ on your side. And then build the church and the world. We're in a local church here. And we always say, yes, we, the, it's about the kingdom. Yes, the church is part of the kingdom. Both the church and the world. We have been commissioned to go into the world and make disciples. It is not an optional suggestion, this. It is what we are called to do. It is no longer okay to sit on the sidelines and show up at church without getting our hands dirty. Did you hear that? 
it is time to roll up our sleeves and get involved in the work of the Lord and what he is doing in our local gathering, our local church. We are not called to be ministered to, that you hear that, but to be ministers. Um, I know I'm a minister, but you too. You minister to the broken people. You minister to those who are doubtful, who are fearful. The Lord places you in areas and in places or, or where you need to minister. We are not called to be, to be ministered to, but to be ministers. What are you doing that helps drive the Lord's vision forward in the local church? Nehemiah could have said, I'm not a builder. Remember that? Could have said, I'm not a builder. I'm just a cupbearer. I'm not a builder. But Nehemiah stepped out and made a difference. The Lord is calling us to rise in the season of uncertainty. And I'm through now to build and advance in him. Rise up and be the spark in someone's life today. Won't you rise up and be the spark in a family's life today, in an individual's life today, someone's life today? God rebuilds broken things. Remember that. When he rebuilds, it's not always changing things around us. Often, it is changing things within us. That's what I want to close with here this morning. And I want to challenge us here this morning. Rise up. Church, individuals, brothers and sisters, let us rise up. Time is running out. We have an opportunity to, in 2023 to make a difference for the Lord. Be involved in the work of the Lord and touch lives for his glory. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. All of us, Lord, gathered here today, have a deep longing and desire. I know that. To rise up and make a difference in someone's life this year. Lord, even if it's one person's life, that is, that, that is touched by us this year. It's already amazing. We want to have more, but often we can only touch one person. And Lord, I pray that each one of us as we are gathered here will think of that one person, that one family that they have been burdened about for so long. And that, Lord, we will rise up and be courageous. Lord, you will give us the words. You will guide us as to what we should say and what we should do. We pray that we will rise up this year and make a difference for you. We thank you for Nehemiah, Lord. He saw the brokenness. He saw the ruins. He saw the rubble. And he did something about it. He stepped out in faith. And Lord, your favor rested on his life. 
I pray that we will step out in faith this year and shine for you and be the spark in someone's life. Bless us, Lord. Continue with us even now as we look back and are reminded of what you have sacrificed for us on Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen.